0: Hey, wonderfuls! Welcome to episode four hundred and nine of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Alexandra Petry. She is a fantastic, a uh, very recognized, renowned Washington Post columnist. She is a book author. We will include more info about places you can and should check out Alexandra's work. Um, she's very prolific, just in general and in all around awesome human being. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I want to thank everyone who has sent well wishes in the last uh, couple of weeks. And as always, I super appreciate you. Enjoy the episode. This is a stellar success. All happening. It's all happening. Where is it happening for you? Are you in New York? Uh no, I'm in DC. Oh you're in D.C. of course you are. You're fancy. Yeah. You're a fancy you're a fancy DC writer.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that like the adjective you chose was fancy um, for DC because I feel like DC is always like, <laughs> you know, know, like we're we have restaurants now. We you didn't use
0: to but we thought of now. <laughs> like <laughs> I know. I don't know why. I. I guess I somehow in my mind I was legitimizing uh like journalism in D.C. as being more authentic or highfalutin somehow than journalism in New York. I mean, I that's there's no that's a no-win statement. Like that's gonna get me in trouble <laughs> just across the board both cities both every journalist like there's just nothing nothing smart about what i said nor was there anything like particularly fa- like founded or grounded about what i said
1: <laughs> yeah i know every everyone, everyone will be upset for their own particular reason <laughs> congratulations that's all through, i'm like, trying to
0: do you venn diagrammed it that's right um, i just want to hurt everyone's feelings equally that's what it's about that's what being an empath is about hurt everyone the yeah, same
1: i mean as somebody who's just started watching the bachelor for the first time and somebody the person who's doing the most havoc in the house keeps referring to herself as like i lead with my empathy and i'm just like oh, oh
0: that's certainly no. one way of manifesting also, I don't think it's good to say you lead with your empathy. That just sounds like you don't know what empathy even is, or something about it. That feels like it yeah. feels like too crude of a sentence for it to f- seem super understood by the uh, deliverer. Uh, so, what prompted yeah, you? Like, just oh yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I, I was going to say I-, I might slightly be mis misreconstructing it, but no. Af- close friend of mine has been watching it for years with like all of her like econ pals and she has like a pool that runs and I'm just craving anything that's moving forward in time (laughs) over the course it's like oh a series of events that are occurring over the course of time so I'm like maybe I'm into sports now maybe I'm into I'm gonna start (gasps) watching sumo wrestling and the bachelor felt like one more additional moving forward in time but not the news type deal that I could try to wrap my brain around but i'm just like i have no i've never seen this world before and i'm constantly baffled and uh alarmed by it
0: you know i haven't ever seen it either in any sort of entirety in fact yeah I, I mean i must have watched some of it when i was i did like a spoof of that show so surely i watched some of that i must have watched something to sort of get a sense of the vibe of it but if I maybe I was doing it if I was doing it for educational slash professional purposes maybe that's why it's nothing is really standing out and is a memory but uh yeah it's that's a whole <laughs> this is a whole culture and I have so many super great funny friends who uh who absolutely love it and you know do a podcast about it in the whole nine yards and that's just hasn't been something like when I say I don't watch it or I'm not that into it or I'm not that into reality television it There's speaking of highfalutin and fancy, I feel like, you know, there's a sort of implication or at least somebody, you know, could infer that I'm being a snob. But that's not really I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't feel particularly snobby about it. There's plenty of stuff that I that I watch or get sucked into. And I'm like, oh, this is probably beneath my intellect. Or, you know, there's something about it that feels like trashy or, or you know, popcorn TV or whatever. Um, but that's just not something that I crave, that I found myself craving. Whereas, you know, perhaps there might be another uh, reality show like Survivor, uh, which I'm totally guilty of watching.
1: No, I feel like it's, it's never the. I'm like, I, w- I wouldn't watch it. It's always like, I just somehow haven't gotten around to doing it, but it's not like, oh, this is a, p- a page beyond. In most cases, I'm just like, well-constructed entertainment of any form, unless it's like harming people, like sign me up, sort of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, because no, I'm not like, I feel like anytime I haven't consumed a pop culture thing, it's like, you have to understand, it's not because I thought that I was better than it, quite the opposite. It's just that I'm too busy re-watching, you know, <laughs> Uh, Hannibal for a third time that like you know it's like this Ugh, I'm making a, a choice
0: that is distinct from that not a choice that is better than that. <laughs> right. is what Hannibal that makes me want to ask you uh what have I watched that's oh uh, did you watch uh this have you I don't know if you have Apple TV but there's a show called The Servant that um no, that really there's there's elements that really remind me of Hannibal intriguing
1: well I'll have to see if I have Apple TV I, mean, I yeah. assume that just by virtue of like it sort of comes with your computer or something I don't know I'm assuming that it's like on something somewhere
0: yeah I mean I definitely don't remember signing up for it I just remember being told that because I have an Apple account like I was getting it for a year for free I feel like that's that's where I yeah. am with in my relationship with with Apple TV but yeah it's a it's an it's, it's not like that YouTube album exactly right exactly right Exactly right. God, there was something that felt invasive about that. um Just n- like, no, you do own this, though, Janet. Yeah, it's like, oh, you this. you could
1: do this at any time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't it, share that you can do that. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly, exactly. Good point. Uh, no, the servant is executive produced by uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Now, listen, I recognize that he's done uh, a lot of things that people think are bad. Some things that people think are great. Um, he's executive produced it so he didn't create it or write it uh, and he did direct a couple of episodes but there's a real um the same sort of like like pervert like perverse uh opulence of like food and just sort of life things that are alive or things that are consumed you know what i mean in Ooh. that in that same yeah, kind oh, of I way love that hannibal opulence. that's great yeah there's, there's a sense of that, um, that comes through in the show. There's like a lot of emphasis on like preparing, you know, high end meals and, and like fine wines and stuff in a way that is kind of grotesque the same way it's used in Hannibal. Uh, so it's been it, when I, it's, it reminds me of, uh, of that. Um, Are you drawn to, like, are you a horror fan? Like, what what brings you around to Hannibal once, twice, and thrice?
1: I don't think I'm a horror fan, but I like a lot of stuff that technically is described as horror, so maybe I am. I don't know. I've been trying to, every time, I feel like the commonalities of, like, the shows, I'm like, oh, I really enjoyed this, and it's just like, multiple of the shows that i wind up like recommending ardently to people have cannibalism in them I'm like i'm not a cannibalism person <laughs> like that's just not like i loved the terror the terror was great yeah uh, that the was first real season, just, like an arctic expedition doomed on the ice yeah like, i was all about that and so, so then i'm like and i loved although I, i'm worried that it won't age super well like hbo's gritty prison drama oz and that had cannibalism. I was <laughs> like, this can't be what attracts me to television shows. So I'm trying to find a better rationale.
0: Right. What's the through line uh, that isn't cannibalism? That cannibalism is like a symptom of some other thing, some other value that uh that that's like, oh, and by the way, sure, there happens to be cannibalism in L3.
1: I do like I like sort of maximalism and I like when people are like we're just not going to worry about one aspect of like, like if you think about like all the travel time that's going on in Hannibal. there's like everyone's dro- commuting. Like it's all in the DC area. They're like Baltimore, <laughs> yeah. Virginia and it's like, how's everyone getting to these places? These are 50 minute drives. Yes. I have friends who like, they moved to Virginia and we were like, we're going to like light a small boat and like set it on fire because this is the last time we'll ever see you because <laughs> right. you've moved across the river and these people are just commuting there like daily at it yeah. anyway. No, so, I,
0: well um, listen, and we do the same thing with anything that's said in LA. It's the same thing. I mean, it's like you don't see, I mean, this is such a cliche but you know, you many people do look, many people do, but a lot of people in my life uh, including me I like I never see friends who live on the west side um, because I'm on the east side. And it's the same thing like that, like something that's shot in L.A. And I feel like I feel like I want to say I feel there's more attention to detail in productions now because of the sort of like meta nerd and fandoms that um, pick everything apart where like I feel like in the past there used to be more carelessness about like, and then they like they, they, they're in Griffith Park, and then they turn a corner and they're at the ocean, like in a car chase or something.
1: Yeah, no, I feel like anything said in DC, it's just like, how did you get from Union Station? Yeah, where, where
0: did that come from? Hundred yeah. percent. But now I feel like people that, like in LA, it feels like there's more awareness to it. Where I keep thinking I need to catch something out, and I'm like, no, no, nope, they're still in Eagle Rock. Damn it! Like they've they've somehow figured <laughs> out that they can't get away with it anymore. Um, But yeah, that's that's it's it's funny, too, because those are such immersive shows like something like Hannibal is so immersive. I can't. And for me, it's so foreign because I don't I mean, I've been to D.C. a couple of times, but I don't know the area well. It would be interesting to superimpose like a working knowledge of the area that would take me out of it because it's because it is so sort of like like, the upside down. You know, it's just such a dark, moody show. The idea that that you'd be pulled out of it being like, I mean, listen, I understand that that sculpture of dead bodies that's in the water tower is, like, very haunting, but there's no way you could have gotten all that done with traffic the way it is. There's just no way. (laughs) Like, Like, it's so funny.
1: Like, everyone knows West Virginia is landlocked. What's that (laughs) sculpture doing on a beach?
0: Yeah. Oz, I started watching. I did not have have or watch HBO when, uh, when Oz was on the air, and um, and and everyone says, uh, you know, says how fantastic it is, and it's got such great actors in it, and I, I wanted to watch it. I, th- I think I tried like the first episode, and it felt so theatrical, um, excuse me, and so yeah. like you know so monolog uh, and performance artive, uh, not a word that I, I just kind I was like, I don't think this is maybe this isn't how it stays or maybe but you you just said it doesn't necessarily age (laughs) well yeah
1: no it feels very written like i've had difficulty going back and watching it because now that people are like oh we can make tv that looks like like it's a visual medium and it's it's just like tom fontana has written a gorgeous monologue for you and you will deliver it to the camera right right and like also i feel like all the characters have like tom fontana's base of references in ways that you're like but i feel like like her life has been very different than his life and they wouldn't both be referencing like their favorite black and white noir movies starring like so and so which is kind of that's
0: very uh, aaron sorkin too isn't it like like why does every character know the hms pinafore for front to back (laughs) like every character (laughs) that's realism yeah yeah exactly um were you uh were you a big tv kid like did you kind of grow up in front of the old boob tube or were you no yeah you didn't
1: I was sort of the opposite it was like forbidden to me on like weeknights and so it was correspondingly very precious Uh so like I would VHS record um the like whose line is it anyway I would record that I would watch uh america's most wanted every saturday night because it was on the weekends it, listen also, it's important you know, you're
0: doing your due diligence as a citizen of the united states you've got to be out there looking for america's most wanted
1: no i wanted to see people in case i could say something see but I, I never actually saw anyone or said anything uh-huh. but <laughs> it was good to like feel that i was helping i guess and <laughs> then i would like i would go online and like the library and i would like read uh scripts from like Will and Grace just to like just
0: to keep in the conversation cuz i'm like well, i want to you know i want to know what's going on on television wait a so, minute wait a minute hi. wait a minute let's pause on this wait so you would go to the library and look up the scripts like the teleplays of something that had been on that you couldn't actually have watched so that you would know sort of what but like what was in the zeitgeist you could you could still say like oh yeah and when karen uh crossed backstage left and said you're referencing stage directions from yeah no exactly it's like
1: she's like i she loves things with raisins in them and like she went to see a raisin in the sun because she thought it would have raisins in it and leo is the opposite and i had not actually i I, don't, I was really into like let me read something so that i will appear to have watched this i love so, that so to this day there are all these things that i'm like if i ever admit that i haven't actually seen jurassic park someone's gonna come for me like oh, my husband just my found this out so like he had this list of like things that i hadn't seen and it, it's like not as extensive as what i actually haven't seen <laughs> because i would like <laughs> like you would get those catalogs in the mail like not like brookstone but like like catalogs like for nerds being like here's a reference to monty python that you assuredly understand and you want to buy a cushion oh, that has yeah. the reference on it yeah i'd be like oh run away that must be an important quote so like when i finally saw it i'm like oh yes this classic quote that i remembered from my many previous watchings of the holy grail <laughs> um but
0: i I can, I can definitely relate to that there's definitely stuff that yeah if you if you sort of missed when everyone else was watching it then you've you've just grown up or you you know you've sort of quote unquote grown up in your adult life hearing something that for me it's like a deterrent like for like at a certain point it becomes like ugh now it's just too late for me to see it now i just have to know what the quote is and what it's from and and not know the context like and still like i i like like i feel like now i'm as apt to make a rosebud joke as anyone i've definitely never seen citizen kane but like yeah same i was i was about to be like that's the example yeah i feel like yeah. i can't see it somehow like no it's just too late it's just too late but i know all the references
1: yeah now i even like read it like essays being like actually you won't be impressed by citizen kane because all the cinematography techniques that it pioneered are now commonplace so i'm always like yeah i just feel like i wouldn't be impressed by citizen kane because the cinematography techniques it pioneered are now commonplace <laughs> but uh so i've got my little rationale like ready to go but.
0: So you read... Now, That's here's where it gets tricky with Jurassic Park, of course, is that did you read the Crichton book or and the script and then have never
1: seen huh. the movie? No, I actually... And remarkably, like, I just didn't do any of the research around Jurassic Park. So I, like, have gradually been picking up more and more facts about it. I'm like, apparently Sam Neill was in it. And, like, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like, the that's Raptor a rumor. Apparently. <laughs> rumor has it I, Sam Neill was in it. I'm hearing more and more people talking about this <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah, no, Laura Linney, apparently. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, fascinating um, what you hear about these. I hadn't read it. I'd read The Great Train Robbery. Um, I, I think that's the only Crichton I've read, which is, yeah, embarrassing. I feel like I would enjoy it.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely went through, like, a good, like, high school era Michael Crichton phase. And I read a lot. And, I mean, listen, he was incredibly prolific. So I'm sure that I've read maybe half of his books. But at the time, I think I was, like, pretty... Like I think I might have been more or less caught up. Like I feel like a new Michael Crichton book came out, and I went to the bookstore to buy it because I had read all of his other books. Like there was a point in time in which I was I was in real time with with Michael Crichton's career. Um, oh wow! I think so. I mean, he's uh, yeah. I definitely he was definitely like a like a, a a big blockbuster author that I still found to be like really smart and interesting. And <clears throat> I always people like him you know who would just dive into a subject to write a a story about it and and like he was so interested in like science now whether or not you know if I were if I were a scientist in the field, which he's sort of like exploring like sphere, for example, which is, you know, some sort of alien artifact that is in the bottom of the ocean or something. um, I'm sure like, you know, the people who know their stuff are like, oh, he didn't do that deep of a dive. (laughs) But like, (laughs) I don't know. So in my mind, I'm like, he was a genius and he could find out about, you know, everything there was to know about viruses and write the Andromeda Strain and just like hammer it out and then move on to the Congo. Or like whatever the g- giant gorilla was. I don't know how much there is to find out about giant gorillas, to be honest with you.
1: But I mean, I assume bottomless amounts of information, and that he plumbed those depths as well.
0: That's right. He had like, but 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 then, but then wasn't he a genius? Like, wasn't he like by whatever you know whatever our, our IQ standards or something? Like Mensa. I feel like he was, like understood to be although that i don't know what that means anymore because keith ranieri from uh, uh you know nexium also purported to be a genius and then you find out that you can just say that you're a genius and people believe you
1: yeah i feel like you it's just, it's just like a mail order thing you just have to like write in and be like hello i know that mensa is latin for table and then they send it you they send you like a thing i don't know i assume i don't know ever since finding out that like mensa was just table I, i've been like it is, is it so it's it's not even mine, it's just, it's table, I think. I gotta I, man, tell I'm you, I've sure just found this people. out
0: now through you.
1: I hope I'm correct. If if not, the Duolingo owl has some things to answer for.
0: Um, <laughs> but... Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun.
2: I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Ten years ago, I came on Jordan Jesse Go and judged my first dispute. Is chili a soup? It's a stew, obviously. The judge has dispensed a decade of justice. He's the one person wise enough to answer the really important questions. Like, should you hire a mime to perform at your own funeral? After they cry, I want them to laugh. Do you really need a tank full of jellyfish in your den?
0: They smell like living creatures decaying.
2: (laughs) Only if they are decaying.
1: Yeah, which they will be.
2: Real people, real justice, real comedy. Winner of the Webby Award for Best Comedy Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org.
0: So, okay, I first of all, I've just fallen a little in love with you for reading scripts from uh, the Internet that uh, I I didn't even know that was a thing you could do, that you could that readily find like a like a like a TV script for an episode. was it like a transcript? Like somebody was like, oh, I somebody was a fan labor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I got it, got it, got it. Different. Okay, Um, that's adorable. Yeah. and now I know that you watched America's Most Wanted again because you did want to be a conscientious citizen and see something, say something. Um, how were the reenactments on that? I think I've only seen one episode of America's Most Wanted because my friend Cole was was got to reenact someone, someone doing oh, the something. Dream. Someone.
1: Oh man, no, I they were I would say not great because they would spend so much time on the reenactment that you would be like, oh, I saw the guy, and then it would be like that was the reenactor. <laughs> you just like identified an, an <laughs> totally. actor totally.
0: Um no. totally. Isn't that that was like something that happened with with some crime situation too where it turned out that the person they'd sketched the person that she was like I did see him and then it turned out they were just sketching like the sketch artist. She was just <laughs> oh, staring no. at the person who was drawing for her and just describing the guy sitting across from her who was supposed to be drawing the thing she saw. That's like oh. a real Kaiser Soze moment. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, I wish that she were the killer because that would be yeah. like the most amazing technique. But unfortunately, <laughs> I think it was just happenstance and a total unconscious thing. Um, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up uh, in D.C. mostly, like All right. D.C. All right. between D.C. and Wisconsin.
0: It between, uh, like yeah. back and forth. Yeah, or just everywhere, <laughs> everywhere yeah, in well, between. I, mean, those like, I, I went to
1: high school in like in, in D.C. OK. Um, but I had a lot of family in Wisconsin. Gotcha. And we'd go back there periodically.
0: And and who imposed the uh, the no TV during the week rule?
1: Um, my folks were very anti TV. They had a TV and it was like in the closet <laughs> on the Amazing. floor. And we would watch how uh, shameful like the news. Like well, my, my mom would watch the Thorn Birds and my dad and, and the whole family would watch like the uh there was like an it's academic like quiz show on saturday mornings at 10 a.m with like a local guy and we would watch
0: that um wait was it was it like sitting at the bottom of a closet but when you open the closet door then you could watch as if you were opening almost like a tv armoire like like it was concealed but then easily revealed because at first i imagine a family piling into a closet to watch tv but that's probably not what you mean (laughs)
1: No, it was like sitting in the closet and then you open the door and you can see it from the rest of the room. Okay. I'm trying to think because I think then we definitely got a different television because that was initially was on the floor. And then, but I was, I mean, am and was a huge Star Wars nerd and we got a TV with a VHR built into it. And they, but but in order to upgrade to this Magnavox uh, TV, I we had this, I had to sign a little contract saying that no. I wouldn't watch the no. Star Wars trilogy more than 13 times per year. Because that would be so. So and that one had to sit like that one didn't fit in the closet. So that one sat like in the in the middle, in the corner of the room.
0: Okay. Um. so your parents had a sense of whimsy about the whole television conversation. Surely. I mean, that's not like there's no way that they weren't tickled pink to be able to like make you sign a contract like that sounds like there's a wink to it, even if it's going to be 100 percent upheld. Like, surely they were, they were like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to make <laughs> her sign a contract that says she can't watch Star Wars World 13 times.
1: Yeah, I, to be fair, I was watching it a lot. they like, they had to really bargain me down. So, And what made them decide on um, uh, 13?
0: Like, were they like, all right, once a month and then we'll give her a bonus? For like her yeah, birthday, yeah. I think month. that was the thing.
1: Because <laughs> also, like, I was a very sort of draconian about how we would watch it. Because i I was like, we gotta turn off all the lights so there's nothing reflecting on the screen that will take us out of the moment. And the dishwasher can't be running because it makes a
0: sound. <laughs> and so it's a, it's like, a ritual. It's a, like, f- it's a, it's a holy ordeal. thing. It's a holy thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, you have, have brothers the and the sisters? sisters? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh, i <laughs> As you may have guessed from these anecdotes, I'm an only child.
0: My friend, so am I. Yes. We would. Uh... I I really liked it. Oh yeah, no. I mean, listen, my uh, my, the my listener, my regular listeners know that my dad and I, I was I was that way about Tron. And uh, and my and then my dad would turn all uh, off all the lights in the house. But except we had like, you know, digital clocks, which usually were like green or a lighter color. And then we also had an alarm system that was a motion detector. So we also, you know, we had the little boxes that where like a red light comes on if it detects motion. And so he created this game of Tron that we would play where he would sort of like scoop me up and fly me Superman style around our house, which you could you could take a circle in the house because everything sort of connected in a circle um and uh and and that was like i mean that was like the most important thing in my life <laughs> was getting to play that tron so cool because if you set the That's red incredible. thing off that means the master control program has identified you it's almost the same thing as having one of those like you know recognizer things that come down and like can crush you um versus mm. like if you see like the green light that means like oh the the users i hope you've seen tron it's possible that you haven't in which case you're gonna have to go read like a transcript online after this and Yeah, no, like i'm googling
1: tron as we speak i actually haven't seen it so like the, the, the <laughs> the thing that crushes you is a recognizer.
0: Yeah. Uh I wonder if you would like it. I mean, I I I think, I I think it I think it was so far ahead of its time that uh I feel like it totally holds up, but um but I will also never really be able to see it with fresh eyes, so, you know, I'm probably not a good judge of that. And then they made, you know, they've made They made like a weird semi sequel thing at some point, like in between then and now. And then they the more recent kind of Tron sequel they did had really cool effects, but was just sort of very cold and it didn't have um, what I loved about the Disney 84 Tron was just you know it had the same the reason I think if you like Star Wars you could very well like Tron is because it had the same you know the the Jeff Bridges character is like Han Solo you know it's a, it, there's a very much like a gritty sort of smarmy you know sense of humor to it that makes it feel very grounded even though you know he's in a weird game grid um but anyway so i very much relate to the like only childism uh of you want it how you want it and there's you know there's this sacrosanct uh piece of media that you know is is all powerful Uh, um did you so you remain a huge fan Uh, is there like did the middle years of the um the weird like George Lucas Anakin era uh, displease you (laughs) the
1: the prequels well I was like that was it hit during a period of my life where I'm like I understand objectively that these are not good but I also have a lot of nostalgia for them in a confusing way Mm. so like I don't know. I was like sitting there like in middle school I would like every day I would write down how many days were left until episode two came out. And this was after having seen episode <laughs> one. Like, I, I clearly... You needed it have... to be good. Yeah. And I had, like... You know, like, my background on, a, on the computer was, like, Anakin and Padme looking at each other. And I didn't know that, like, the entire movie would have less chemistry than my <laughs> com- the flat, you know, multi, like, 480 <laughs> pixel computer yeah. background. But it, it was just... Like... I did understand that they were bad, but I also, like, there's a part of me that's like, I do miss the world building, though. Like, (laughs) there was a lot of cool world building that happened. I'm, like, one of those fans where I'm like, but listen, like, we all agree that they were bad, but they were also interesting in some ways. Which my husband is just like, I I won't rewatch it. The Phantom Menace with you, in case maybe this time it's good. I'm like, no, but maybe this time it'll be good. I think we better hear
0: it out. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my might as well be husband, um, recently rewatched them and sort of did, I think, you know, he sort of did the same thing you did. He's not, he's not like a super avid, avid fan, but he, but he did watch them. Having not, I think, having not seen them since seeing them in the theater, which, you know, I saw the first one in the theater and then I was like, I'm out um, uh, of the prequels. And and he and he did. He I want to say um, that he kind of said the exact same thing. Like, I think he was like. You know they yes they're they're bad but like what I wasn't able to appreciate at the time was the world building and once you know so you like once you've delved a little deeper into the lore <laughs> you realize you know and he's like what's amazing about like the first one and the second one is they're just all about bureaucracy and if you understand the satire there and I, I'm like so it sounds like you're describing it as being very boring and he's like ah but boring for a purpose <laughs> like. <laughs> So yeah. Yes, yeah, the higher boredom. We're attaining the higher boredom. That's, right, that's by... right. It's a noble boredom. It's a noble boredom. Oh my yeah. god. Okay. <laughs>
1: what he set out to do was to
0: bore the movie. <laughs> that's going. Right. Remember how he was like, we need to understand that actors aren't important and they can be flat paper dolls and it's still fine. Um, did it's Brechtian It's Brechtian. exactly yeah. oh, Brechtian Oh, Brechtian Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> what? what uh, when? I, I'm gonna assume that you were a good student, but I guess I don't know that to be true. Um, what was your high school like?
1: Like in retrospect, I'm like, oh, everyone there was a nerd. It was an all-girls school. Um, and I, yeah, I was definitely I. I studied very hard, and uh, was was a huge uh liked to do studies person um so (laughs) i was like let's do homework it's it's gonna be a party um (laughs) and so it was fun because like in retrospect even the cool girls were all like by most standards like very like smart nerdy people but like they were off being cool and like my friends and i were like we are you know they are too cool for us but like now if i were to meet them i'd be like oh like you're just like i i don't know i feel like everyone's sort of barometer for what like what kind of information you had that made you a nerd was like way off because we were it was like we were all actually nerds i don't know
0: yeah Um, no 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 i mean I, i would i would love to to hear more about that because i i think that is something that can happen right is that like whatever microcosm world you're in there finds a way to like tease out more and more nuanced qualities that you know can create sort of like either a hierarchy or just you know different types of groups i mean that's what comic-con is right and so um yeah. the idea that like i'm I'm curious if you can put a, a a point on you know kind of what it was that made you a different kind of nerd than the quote-unquote co- cool girl nerds
1: well i feel like the biggest thing was like the cool girl nerds actually like would, would party on the weekends but they also would know like how the barbarians invaded rome in <laughs> and in what specific years because right that was just something that Ms. Williams and our teacher was very adamant that we all know about. But like we were all like, we're going to spend every weekend, regardless of what's going on, like in the party world, in uh, Katie's basement, watching the Lord of the Rings extended edition in its entirety. Gotcha. Um, like that was our our constant delight. Like I, I was trying to re- remember, like, like how many times did we do this like why did we think it was necessary to do this like so many times and the answers were not clear but yeah we i feel like there a lot of like oh like there was sort of a group of folks uh where like you would come into the building and there would be this area called the pit that was just like it shouldn't be the first thing like somebody's walking in who wants to be like impressed by the school but it it, it it was just, like, full of, like, Lord of the Rings posters and, like, postcards we thought were funny and just, like, a bunch of people in, like, t-shirts with, like, calculus on them Uh <laughs> and sort of a bunch of sort of theater tech people and, like, theater kids occasionally and then, like, the math team and the anime club and the debate club and it was just, like, in the literary club and we'd all sort of, like, go... As a on mass to all of these various things, the area had formerly been called the sex pit. But then, like we we moved in, and they were just like, "There, there won't be any sex happening here for <laughs> the, the, the ground has been salted." Um, <laughs> no.
0: but wait, it was the sex pit because like a different era of girls were more. You know, in a previous
1: era, yeah, like, there it. had been people who'd managed to pull off all of this,
0: right? And <laughs> we moved in,
1: and they were like, "Well, let, we'll just remove the sex from the name out of respect for its current occupants." Um. <laughs>
0: Well, so this is interesting to me, too, because, uh, again, like I'm a queen of half-formed ideas that I have to say out loud to understand them. And then you you, you, and the listener has to, like, let me just sort of struggle through it. But um, I'm interested in this idea of because I'm trying to say like the sense of not belonging is sometimes what creates this love of uh entertainment or you know of these are kind of iconic um epic stories that really do have you know this a lot of world building that's very immersive um you know i mean some of the cons i go to uh In smaller communities, especially if you are, you know, placing them somewhere in the Midwest or somewhere in the South, like there really is a sense still of people coming up and I guess I have to qualify all this by saying the before times, but um, one day maybe the before times will also be the after times uh, from COVID. But, um, you know, people who really do say, you know, I look forward to this all year and these are where I feel my real people are and, you know, what I do in the meantime in, you know, my small, like if, you, if they live in, you know, sort of a, a conservative, perhaps Christian, you know, small uh, place in Texas, for example, is just, you know, like be steeped in whatever pop culture feels the best and most authentic to, you know, your soul and then your time to be in person with people who feel the same way who share your passions is this kind of isolated incident and so like the structure of your life can be can rotate a lot around those non day-to-day non schoolmate non class and you know all those kinds of things but the idea that you were in a community that was inclusive and that that many young women were sort of felt the same way and had the same relationship that, to that stuff. It wasn't necessarily that you were escaping from anything because you were with your people when you would watch it every weekend. So the idea that that ritual would still have the same power is kind of fascinating to me.
1: No, it's weird because yeah, the more I think about it, it, it was like, cause you're, you're absolutely right. I feel like that sort of sense of like, Oh, like I have this time once a year when I really get to like be with my people and like, under be be understood and it was like there's like weirdly somehow there's a bunch of us and we all get to like hang out all the time but so part of it was like my friends were as much a gateway into like different sort of they're like well oh you got to read like Sandman you got to like read that like it was sort of like because I had those people it was like well clearly if they're into it I'm going to be into whatever it is um and so like the things that I was like I don't have anyone who understands this would like they have to be like pretty esoteric like i even managed to get all of our friends like go like as trojan war characters for halloween one year that was a year i lost all i mean after that year my social clout like there was one period when like everyone would just sort of do things that i told them to and then somebody came along and was like we don't have to dress up as like trojan warriors (laughs) you know just because Alexandra thinks it's going to be a fun and novel idea and so there was a sharp decline in my immediate sort of the power of persuasion that I possessed but like the fact that I had friends who were like we might all do this together I feel like given that middle school is like no no matter how uh content you are it can be sort of a nightmare place like I feel like in some ways very optimal as as the middle school experience goes
0: yeah no kidding and and what was your exposure to uh the opposite sex like in those um, in those times
1: there would be like three interactions that you'd get to have with them uh you would see them at like dances which was confusing cuz it's like well but we haven't built up any rapport um this is very uh, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. like 19th century um you would see them i, I would see them at Sunday school cuz i uh like we had like a youth group called like journey to adulthood j2a uh, oh, no. and we had like a corn poster it was just like so there were boys there um and then like if you did theater or sort of theater adjacent you'd see boys there was uh cuz they did all the all the theater they did like jointly with a boys school across okay.
0: the way um i guess that's a thing right i've heard that enough times now on the podcast that that's that would be like that's some sort of accepted like yes well of course for theater productions we we must engage we must the other gentlemen. yeah <laughs> yeah you can't play
1: all the roles that would give you an unrealistic expectation that's right um and then like i don't know <laughs> it's academic the aforementioned quiz bowl team like we would have the guys into practice but uh so it was fun it's like yeah want to meet boys (laughs) memorize all the presidents by number um
0: (laughs) but again though might be drawing from a pool of people that you could actually relate to opposed to you know just being sort of thrown willy-nilly with uh, a group of guys who like had no sense of those types of things you know and had the shared none of the same interests
1: yeah no exactly it was like oh these are people who can be friends uh as opposed to like oh here's like a a vast sort of morass of gentlemen with whom i'm unfamiliar who have been going to parties on weekend and like having dramatic time
0: yeah were there when at the dances were there girls at school were like the cool uh the cool girls at school more apt just kind of like just jump in and start dancing or was everyone sort of equally like Ugh, what do we how does this supposed to work uh my, my recollection is like a lot of clumping
1: uh it would just be like everyone would sort of <laughs> clump along the walls there'd be a couple of people sort of in the middle like shr- and like it'd be sort of that awkward thing we're like oh like here's like your math teacher like st- standing there like like i, I don't the system of school dances was well thought out. I have to say, whoever <laughs> conceded it was like, so like most of the time I'll be teaching you math, but every so often I'll have to watch you like attempt your sort of young mating rituals with people. <laughs> and like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I feel like nobody, nobody thought this through. Um, so there'd be a lot of like standing in the corner or like going back out to the hallway. Um, I, I I guess my recollection is mostly it's like, I'd go and sit in the bathroom. Then I'd come back in there and like, it was yeah, you, you definitely were not, da- like, if you were dancing with somebody, that would be novel. Like, they'd be like, right. oh, my God, so-and-so dance with so-and-so. Because mostly you'd be sort of in a circle jumping up and down. Uh, right, right. <laughs> at least in my area. But I think the cool people, like, they knew the guys. Like, that was another thing. So they would, like, maybe have, like, pre-existing relationships okay. that they could then manifest on the dance floor. <laughs> right. I, I presume.
0: Did you have uh, real-life crushes, and did you have uh, uh, showbiz crushes?
1: I definitely had both, and I had, like, a, like, my diary was one of those, like, if you're, like, extremely, like, oh, I'm gonna, like, read all of the literature uh, type people, so I was, like, I am so above the concept of having crushes, and I'm so embarrassed that I have them, yet nevertheless, here is, like, (laughs) I can't believe I'm writing in this diary about my, you know, my feeble physical body, like, and it's once when I ought to be... So, like, it's all, like, very self-loathing, but, like, you do get a very clear list of, like, all the persons that I was, like, oh, intriguing. This is an intriguing person. Um,
0: I love I love that you were self-censoring slash, like, acting as your own chider <laughs> as you were, like there's really no accounting for taste, but I am interested in so-and-so.
1: I I would make these like elaborate schemes where I'm like, if I can organize myself to sit here and then I will have to have a remark prepared. So what remark will I prepare? And so I like would think through like sort of plans of attack, but I really didn't get to execute many of these plans. Um, But I'd be like, like if i wind up dancing with so and so i will then say to him uh like boy whenever i am at a dance it feels like i am very boring and have nothing interesting to say like something along those <laughs> lines I, I feel like i should i have all of these somewhere i can go spelunking oh my god
0: right. i i i wish you would i mean i just the, again there's this there's a meta quality that seems like it, that it runs through the idea that you're I mean, listen, I don't know if they're like if you're if, if you're just using that as a funny example and, and it's not literal, but the idea. No, of, it's, it's pretty. Literal. I mean, that's like how how amazing is that, that you that you still can't like reward yourself in this fictional world of what ifs. You still can't give yourself much more to say beyond like what you probably truly would say, which is like, well, I don't really have anything interesting to say. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not like you're like, and then I have, const- I've carefully constructed these eight witticisms that I will just casually drop. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that, no, you yeah. think
1: I could have let myself say something funny, but instead I was like, no, no, <laughs> I'd better tell him that I know what I'm saying is boring.
0: It's um, <laughs> just amazing. That's kind of, that's kind of fabulous. Um, where When did you get, uh, when did you get interested in, in writing uh, and the idea of writing as a profession? Was that pretty early on?
1: You know, pretty much always. Like, that, there was really... I, I just loved doing it, and I loved reading. And so I was like, well, I gotta make more stuff to read. Uh, so I was always, like, you just constantly reading. And then f- from the very first point when I was like, I can pick up a pen and make words, I was all about it. Like, I was... Yeah, th- there was really never any doubt that that was something I wanted to do, uh, which was good. But I did also like math for... I, I, sometimes I miss math. I'm like, oh, here, get, give me the check. I'll calculate. I'll calculate who <laughs> needs a tip what.
0: But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish I had that relationship to math. I really do. Um, but I, so and were you writing from like, were you writing first person, you know, beyond kind of the, the journal type stuff? Like, did you were you writing in that way? Or were you writing like fiction and world building yourself or a combination of both?
1: Oh, I mean, a combination of everything. I did a lot of like, so I kept every summer for a while, I would like try to write a novel and it would always be like a disastrous combination of whatever I'd been reading at the time. Sure. So I wrote this like, it was like a kind of set during the the Civil War, but it was also heavily inspired by the picture of Dorian Gray. (laughs) It was a big old mess. Um, And like... Then I wrote one that was like, what if it was like 1984, but also Brave New World, but also a picture of Dorian Gray. I really, I, I was a big Oscar Wilde fan. Um, He's and wonderful. And then I tried writing like, what if like Lord of the Rings, but they stopped in the middle and did a musical and it also had a language that I made up. Oh, so, amazing. Like once I got to the musical, I did recently find this because uh, I had like an external hard drive that I had not known where it was. And I've, I, I it contained this uh long attempt at a novel. Where I would like put on the like Lord of the Rings soundtrack, and I would start like typing, and I was like, amazing how very Lord of the Ringsy this. I know, out. totally,
0: totally. Music is everything if you're writing. It is shocking how much it would informs anything I'm working on. Like if I'm setting out to write up like a peppy, uplifting letter to a chum, but then like some Nick Drake comes on, all of a sudden I'm like nostalgic for an era that I didn't even live in, and like. <laughs> Just yeah, talking about how birds seem sad. like.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was exactly like that. And I, so I kept being like, this is so poignant how like all these beloved characters keep suddenly dying and like giving these farewell speeches at like regular intervals of about 60 <laughs> minutes. Um, but <laughs> no and but like i i was rereading it and like it did get to the point where they're like and now we're going to put on a musical and i was also like trying to write musicals i wrote this like musical about like world war 1 poets um which i still think was a good concept um but i'm intrigued and, yeah it was like just like what if the songs were the world war 1 poems cuz i was like really into world war 1 poets um i mean like it may not surprise you that I like was reading a lot of historical fan fiction, like I was one of those people who's like, I'm one of the three consumers for like I, I want to know everything you thought that Rupert Brooke might have done with anyone um so. I mean yeah,
0: that's that's amazing to me as well because and and i I will say in all honesty that when you say World War one poets i like I don't know if I could identify what makes someone a World War one poet other than that. Like my 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 first instinctual response is like, oh, I guess they were all writing about World War One. I, and I, that's I'm it. pretty yep, sure that's, all is exactly- that's it. That's really it. Yeah. OK, I thought it was like <laughs> ju- like like, oh, the best way to tie these m- these different disparate poets together is that during the era in which they were writing, World War One was happening. But that didn't necessarily inform their work. But no, it did inform their work.
1: Yeah, no, they were all like, World War <sighs> One is happening and I don't like it. Like okay, Rupert got it. initially liked it, and then he died. He was the one who did the whole poem where he was like, There's a corner of a foreign field that is forever oh, England. Sure. There shall be in that rich earth, the richer earth concealed, that whole thing. He was very hot. Um, but he died from a mosquito bite that went septic, um, oh, no. which he got on the Isle of Skyros. <laughs> I'm sorry that I know this. I just <laughs> it's I'm not information I've carried. Um and yeah, then there was Siegfried Sassoon, and he was, like, real mad about the war. And he wrote a great war memoir. Uh, he, he was, like, real mad about the war. Amazing. Uh, my, my exegesis. Uh, no, he, so he wrote this memoir, because he and Robert Graves, who wrote, like, I, Claudius, and a bunch of, like, mythology-type stuff, he also wrote a really good war memoir called Goodbye to All That. And he was just like, Siegfried was out of control. He threw his, like, cross of honor into the river, and everyone was like don't do that and then they put him in craig lockhart mental hospital where he because they were just like something i think you're getting a little frazzled siegfried i think you're getting a little frazzled i'm like any self-respecting world war one historian who's hearing me described (laughs) as is now keeling over but yeah so they put him in craig lockhart and he hung out and there's this great book by uh uh, Pat Barker, I think, called Regeneration, which is about his time there, where he also met fellow World War One poet, Wilfred Owen, who oh he was my. like, this is great, write more poetry, you're doing real good stuff here. And uh, so, anyway, long story short, there were a lot of people, and they all didn't like the war very much, and Vera Brittain was there too. But she was there in in a nurse capacity.
0: Did this Um, start out? And then, and by the way, I am going to get into this MASH game momentarily. And I feel like you've given me so much uh, just rich fodder for this MASH game. I kind of can't wait. But, um, With something like that, is that something that you 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 sort of dipped a toe into by virtue of your studies, like your actual someone else in authority tell, you know, sort of going, we're going to be looking at these. And then you you recognized um, an appreciation for it Uh, or or is it something that you you somehow through a friend or just completely on your own stumbled across and or or, you know, sought there was something you were looking for when you when you sort of found these poets i think i sort of
1: stumbled across it because i I was a big like i really enjoyed like military history and i I feel like things would always sort of pass one onto the other and so i was like civil war history like tell me where all the battles were and i will draw a little fish hook and i'll understand who was put where and what that whole deal was and then with like world war one i was like I feel like they're just sort of standing still let's see if they had any good poetry because uh, like the trenches they're just sort of sitting in the trenches good point. I don't know that's what I, that's what I took from all of my, I, I do like diligently tried to read a couple of like, but where were the troops and what were they doing? And was Jofre in charge or was somebody else? But mostly what I took was like, they were just sort of sitting there. Cause I, I initially was one of those, like, if I don't read every penguin classic before I die, I will have failed as a person type <laughs> readers. And so you, it, they sort of wreck, like if you read all the footnotes, they'll always be like, which reminds me of this. And then you'll be like, I'm interested in this or I'm not. So like, it'll always lead you down a weird rabbit hole. Like right. I've been reading a bunch, about uh, Alice Roosevelt because uh, I, I, she was like one of DC's original like st- sort of characters hmm. uh, and like literally from like the moment that Teddy Roosevelt was president she was like the number one news item on all the pages they called her like Princess Alice and then, but she stayed fascinating and relevant until like the 70s just so I find her fascinating, but I was reading about her and they're like, well, if you read about her, her best friend for a while was the Russian ambassador's daughter, Marguerite Cassini. And Marguerite wrote this memoir called Never a Dull Moment, which literally lives up to the title. Wow. And it's just like like her mother was an opera singer, but then her, lost her voice traveling across the Gobi Desert because it was too cold, oh, and the Tsar didn't approve of her whoa. being married to her father, so she had to pretend to be her governess. And that, like, every page is like this. It's completely off the chain. And so I feel like one thing leads you to another. So I'm sure at some point when I'm in the middle of this, she'll be like, and have you read my son's book? And I'll be like, no. And then, <laughs> you know, months from now.
0: Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun.
2: Hey, it's Jesse. What you're about to hear is real. Hey, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. It's Jesse calling from Maximum Fun. Hey, Jesse. I heard that you got into a car accident. Yeah, I was listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself, and I just laughed so hard that I uh, slammed into a construction barrier. <laughs> Do <And>, uh... <laughs> you remember what it was that was so funny? I will never forget, I'm sure. They started talking about Vegas and the, you know, if it happens here, it stays here, and that slogan. And then Graham was talking about, oh, you know, wasn't there some other slogan for another commercial? Oh, it was like a... Commercial for food, and it said, like, whatever's in there stays in there. I can't remember what it was clams or something. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Clams? Just so ridiculous. And man, I got lightheaded. I was laughing so hard. Next thing I know, <laughs> smash <laughs> so, Yeah, they are. They are just brilliantly funny. So I talked to Dave and Graham from Stop Podcasting Yourself. We would like to pay your car repair bill. Is that okay? That I mean, that would be super nice, Jesse. I really. I, I, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: This is great because um the you know the smash game that we play are do you are did I yes. are you familiar? okay good thank you for not even making me finish my sentence that was actually quite wonderful and what a gift okay uh, so one of the things that I <laughs> that I appreciate so much about you is that you know you have shown that you have this interest in this, th- an appetite for real life and real life stories and like finely, granularly detailed real life stories, um, and as well as the kind of totally fictitious world building uh universes of 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 fiction. So I want to start with uh the first category which is, you know, let's just dive into it. Let me let me get three periods in history, um our world history, uh, whatever you want that you can you're in a safety bubble, but it's it's uh three, you know, things you can witness firsthand or eras you can witness firsthand.
1: Ooh. Um I guess let's do mysteries you can solve greece. by the way i just yeah, want to throw
0: that in there okay ancient greece great
1: wait what was the one you, you threw in there i said like
0: a history mystery that you could that you could personally yeah. say like i now know exactly what happened at blah blah blah
1: yeah oh that's that's a good good point i feel like i just want to follow herman melville around and like understand what his deal was so like 1840s
0: okay um, do i put should i put ancient greece or did i, did yeah, I create, definitely put okay, ancient good, greece great great, great. I skimmed past that. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Okay. And then Herman yep. Melville.
1: Like, I guess, yeah, 19-teens. 19, 19 let's get all the good, like, Victrola music really cranking. Great. <laughs> um, let's see Let's see what Woodrow Wilson has to say for himself. Yeah. That,
0: In his own voice. Thank you very much. Uh, I can't believe I... <laughs> I uh,
1: Really? What? I, I'm I'm making some bold and incorrect choices here, that's for sure. Oh,
0: I'm delighted um. by it, and I appreciate your ability to speak off the cuff, knowing that you'll regret it deeply later. That's what it is all about. That is the purpose of MASH. <laughs> it's a secondary accidental uh, purpose of MASH. Okay, next category, let's do three fictitious places, realms, planets, lands that we, we can give you a, a, a second home that we can sort of teleport you to uh, uh, whenever Ooh. you want.
1: Well, definitely the Shire. Great. Um then let's go with mm, Alderan but like during a specific time period. Um and do I have one I have I, I've never seen Alderan. Well, it's fine. I'm going to I'm sticking with Alderan. Right or wrong, do it strong. Great. Um and maybe just like can I get like a, a flat in like fictional like like oh, like a real city that's fictional. Oh so yeah like, yeah for or sure just have to yes be completely.
0: No no I think that's totally great. Like yeah if you want to be in London the Sherlock Holmes London or hey, whatever yeah, yeah. absolutely. You no I
1: feel like because I want to be if if I can have like a Jeeves equipped flat I fully want like a like a PG Woodhouse.
0: Um, great yes London yes indeed flat great. Okay. That absolutely makes sense. Okay. All right. Next one. Three musicals that you are responsible for having brought to the stage. We'll just assume everyone loves them equally. It's not like you have to worry about what you think the public wants, because in this case, the public wants whatever you want. So three musicals that uh, are, are, you know, some, something from your imagination. Okay, so not like Les Mis three times, no. but like
1: a real musical.
0: Well, like you know, you like I, like I'm very curious about your uh, potential Middle Earth uh, musical.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's do, but like knock off Middle Earth musical. Let's <laughs> let's do World War One musical.
0: Yes, indeed. As
1: long as we have these examples to draw on, exactly. And, um, let's do just because I think it would be funny. Uh. Just I think watch in the musical,
0: oh sure <laughs>
1: it's it's a choice
0: listen, this you say it, you'll be working on it next year, someone will hear this and be like, Yes, we're doing it. Um, Great. Okay. Three foods that in this uh, reality we're creating are neither too fat, too sugary, too allergy-ish, too uh, ecologically uh, cruel. There's nothing. Everything is just equalized to everything's fine and great and available, and you can have it in perpetuity at the snap of your fingers. Three.
1: Ooh. I feel like... Kitfo. Like, I just wanted to like delicious kitfo and red lentils just like or like a a sample Ethiopian platter that's what I want oh okay Um, got it and then pralines and cream ice cream
0: oh great
1: and good eel (laughs) good eel yeah like 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 a really big I feel like yeah just like tasty tasty bites of eel like
0: yeah great I will say that is definitely something that if you get a bad piece of eel, it can turn you off of eel for a good long time. And I speak from experience. Uh, But good eel. Tasty. Uh, Great. Okay, um, Next category. Let's do some romance. Fictitious characters, animals, cartoons, video games, uh, actors, actresses, people from a certain era in their career. uh, The sky's the limit. Three for sexy times or like long term companionship. That's really up to you.
1: This is, oh man, I feel like Jean Valjean, <laughs> I don't know, I think he'd be a good com- companion. Right. Yeah, he's like, he's sensitive, he's beefy. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's so many people who are like, uh, got hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I gotta, I gotta
1: speak strongly. Uh, I feel like, I want to say Gandalf, but I also, I'm like, I don't think, I, I don't know, yeah, he could just hang out. I feel like he'd be fun to have around.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, do you want? We can do a category of of uh of imaginary, like, but like real. You know, we we make them real for you, like friends, just sort of like sages or buddies, people that you know you have adventures with. It's not um on the romantic side. So if you would like well, let's, to, yeah, let's put Han Solo in
1: there. Let's make okay. it romantic. All right. Um, yeah.
0: I I took now out thinking... Gandalf and I put in Han. Yeah,
1: take and out we still have Gandalf. One. Get okay. out of there, Gandalf. Get sorry. We'll
0: see. We'll see you in a moment, Gandalf. Yeah. Yandy.
1: You arrive whenever you want um great and then um who are other like i guess yeah let's get furiosa from mad max in there
0: oh great yeah good one
1: she she knows her way around she's a good lass
0: (laughs) yeah she's got deep passionate feelings about things agreed okay uh buddies let's do let's do pals real or imagined uh I'm putting Gandhi in at the top not to be yeah, confused put with Gandhi, put Gandhi in off. There. Yeah. great
1: um I, I honestly I think let's let's get Bertie Worcester in there I just feel like he gets underrated but he's a loyal friend and he's a, a nice dude yeah and let's get Chewbacca
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes indeed well played well played Okay, perfect. Uh okay, next category, let us do la la la. Let's do three creators, artists um from any ilk that uh you get to collaborate on something with. And they could be, you know, living or dead. Ooh. How about
1: um I feel like Dorothy Parker would be a jerk to work with, but I'd like to try. Try it. Let's see um, what happens. Could, could be a mess. Could be regrettable. Uh, Dorothy, Dorothy Parker. Um, ooh, I'm trying to think. I, now I can never remember who the music half of the like great composing duos is. It's like, was Hammerstein doing the music or was he doing the lyrics? Because whoever, no, he was doing the music. So, um, no, he, Rogers was doing yeah, Rogers was doing the music because it's Rogers and Hart and then Rogers and Hammerstein. So oh, yeah, Richard Rogers. So he can write music for me. Okay, great. Um and then how about you know, this is a weird one. How about Jim Davis? He draws Garfield and I Oh
0: my god, I love it. I love it. So you would write you would write you would you guys would work together to come up with some 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 concepts some and 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 some great uh scenarios for Garfield to get himself into.
1: Yeah, I I just feel like Garfield could use an influx of fresh creative juice and I have plenty <laughs> of that juice.
0: I love it. I think that is uh terrific. Um wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Okay. And then let's do final one. Let's do, well, I'm very curious to hear what your answer will be. So I got to do this one. This is, uh, this is an extra room in your house. Um, it could be in It's sort of magical in the sense that it doesn't really take up a uh, part of the floor plan, but, but you know, like suddenly you can walk into this room and it serves any number of purposes. So it could be as uh, utilitarian as, you know, just like a pantry, which I kind of sometimes wish I had. Um, or, uh, you know, a forest.
1: That's sort of like Narnia closet. Um, yeah. Like, get that Narnia closet, because that's a whole... You have access to all kinds of things. You can start importing goods. You can enjoy different weather. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Narnia I,
0: closet. I love it.
1: I, I, I mean, th- and that's the end, you get to, like, meet a really Christian lion.
0: <laughs> really Christian lion.
1: <laughs> Just so much allegory there. Yeah. But, Yeah. I, I guess I'm... Oh, I know. A bathroom with
0: two sinks. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Great, great, great.
1: I feel like just a room that's like a, a Las Vegas room that's just sort of full of, like, pianos and tigers.
0: Great. I love that... Yeah. It's not... Las Vegas... It, there's no slot machines. It's just the the good stuff. The pianos and the tigers. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, what... Would you uh, what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of I, I like sort of doing outside of the box um, mash uh, calculations just because since we're on we're not in person together somehow somehow feels like more fun to do a different thing. So let me ask this. Um, what is what was what would you have said your favorite color was when you were a teenager?
1: Either yellow or pink.
0: OK, well, we're going to go with yellow because that was the first one you said. OK, uh, will you tell people where they can find you, uh, what they should be checking out, following up on, r- keeping up with reading articles, uh, etc. of yours while I do these very rudimentary non-calculations?
1: Absolutely. Great. Um, you can find me pretty much every day on The Washington Post. Uh, I have a blog and just search my name on the washington post and it's right there uh, otherwise i'm giving you a url and nobody wants that that's chaos <laughs> um and I, i'm on twitter at petri dishes which is I, I realize the pun is really confusing about how you pronounce the last name but it is petri and uh my book nothing is wrong and here is why is going to be coming out in paperback shortly and I should know when but it's out in hardcover right now if you want to get a cover that's like a really creepy Goya painting of Saturn devouring his children get the hardcover because the paperback is something completely different so if you like a creepy cover now is your time to act
0: is uh do you have any say do you have control because I I've had some friends who are like oh yeah you don't get to choose your cover um but it might be that they're that they're, they're more work for hire for some of their books or something did you no, get to I had like input?
1: But I feel like because the first one, I'm just like, I love this. Like, let's have like this monster cover, and then this, they're like, would you be like, how, hypothetically, how about if we had a different cover next time? And I was like, ah, yes, I understand, certainly, certainly.
0: Um, yeah. So
1: <laughs> okay. I, I feel like I definitely had input, but I, I'm not sure. Like, on a scale from like it's it's sort of a consensus decision. It feels like. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because uh, yeah.
0: Um, God, I could have had a whole other conversation with you that is only about how you feel like this this, this the, what the state of journalism t- is today but that's like a three-hour conversation that i oh man yeah, was yeah was only a, three no, hours left. yeah i know exactly um okay i do have your results i'm very very pleased with them i think you will be as well uh Ooh. got a lot of great stuff um actually i think you maybe you, you yeah, okay. I was going to say, like, you almost universally got all of the sort of, like, what I would consider to be top choices, but maybe that's not, like, the way that it's going to shake out. So let me just get right into it. First of all, I want to congratulate you on uh your, what we will call the trifecta of uh, Lord of the Rings, which is your very, very dear friend, Gandhi. Uh, your mansion in the Shire, which I guess is probably still like carved into the ground, which is great. Um, and your, uh, it's not surprising that given this, this entire experience and the breadth of your own personal relationship to it, that you would write a smash hit Middle Earth musical so those three things i think work very very nicely together uh i don't know what uh the folks in narnia are gonna have to say about your <laughs> clear allegiance to the shire and middle earth but rest assured when you need a break from all those hobbits you can pop into your narnia closet at any time and hang out with aslan and everybody else oh, um,
1: man,
0: chaos total chaos uh I- these two, both of these two sort of um what I, what I like to think of as warring factions, even though that's not accurate, uh, that's gonna that's going create a lot of conversation. And uh, who better than Dorothy Parker to discuss <laughs> the state oh, no. of affairs in both the Shire and Narnia than feet on the ground? Head not in the clouds, Dorothy Parker. So that's going to be really fun. I love the idea of you both just with your hands like fist deep into a delicious sampler plate of Ethiopian food. Um, I eat almost Excellent. everything with my hands because I have been uh, designated a raccoon by my significant <laughs> other, and it just is easier for me to use my hands. So. <laughs> I love Ethiopian food because it's one of the few foods that makes me feel like I'm not dumb for eating with my hands because they get that it's wonderful to eat with your hands. Um, And it's a much more, uh, to me, visceral eating experience. So I'm very on board for that. delicious, yeah. And delicious. uh, And all of this and more is spent with uh, the (laughs) thoughtful, spiritual, if tortured, and beefy Jean Valjean. Yes. That's going to be a weird household. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this has been such a pleasure. <laughs> what a wonderful uh sojourn from the rest of my day. Thank you so much for making it happen with me, Alexandra. Um, I know oh, we both been you. looking forward this to this.
1: High, my, this is the highlight of my Monday.
0: Great. Great. <laughs> I made I made the top of the Monday list. Tuesday whole different whole different story. Whole different story. <laughs> no, no. of my
1: my month's day
0: ah what a save um fantastic everyone uh check out please please uh feel free to to read this wonderful journalist's uh and author's work um i I highly recommend it and uh, i hope everyone is staying safe taking care of themselves and i will talk to you next time on the podcast The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi.